Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram with Longhorn Republic, or you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who should have been born on May 18th, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I'm good. I am questioning exactly why May 18th, unless we are talking about the three legends of Texas uh, George Strait, Vince Young, and myself. And if that's the case, then I'll take it, Gerald. That is absolutely what we're talking about. You, <laughs> sir, stand among giants. Ah. Well, if if, if Vince did it with uh, his arm and legs, and uh, George did it with his uh, voice and brain, then I will say me making that legend status is purely on my um, my firm grip an ability to piggyback off of you to take me to any heights that I will ever soar to, my friend Gerald. Oh, man, I, I appreciate that. You know what? You're the wind that gives me wings. Beneath, <laughs> beneath your wings? The wind that, That's there, it. There's, there's, a, there's a thing there. Uh, neither of us are great <laughs> at songs, apparently, but we're not here to talk about any of that. We are here to talk about Texas sports. There's a big weekend of championshipping they're gonna have to light the tower orange not one not two but three separate times for a conference championship baseball um got a little wet this last week so we'll talk about baseball and then we'll obviously down the 40 bang the drum and all of that fun stuff at the end but we gotta start with you know there's this like national perception about texas athletics the texas athletics oh blah 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 and that perception is based more around football and and basketball underperforming right but for the rest of the sports texas continues to be elite and well over the weekend the number four slash six women and men's track team respectively won the outdoor big 12 championship in a rainy manhattan manhattan excuse me kansas to (laughs) complete the sweep of big 12 track championships with the indoor and the outdoor while the number two rowing team in the nation claimed their sixth consecutive big 12 title so a lot of championshiping a lot of those it's it like like it's a like crystal like half dome situation that the big 12 uh, championship trophy is don't know what you describe it but three of those came home to the 40 acres over the weekend a giant fancy ice cream bowl um if people eat out of the stanley cup or drink beer out of it i i hope these these student athletes get to have an ice cream social um for, for those especially that are under 21 um this was the university of texas since joining the big 12 again there was college athletics pre-1994 but uh (laughs) since joining the big 12 their 199th 200th and 201th big 12 title that's a lot and not an exceptionally long uh time in fact i think uh, 1994 let's see those kids are, are probably uh, just barely graduated, which should make everyone feel old, uh, from UT, but uh, in their lifetime have seen 200-plus Big 12 titles. But, Gerald, this year specifically, 12 of them. I mean, a really, really incredible, incredible feat. Uh, they still have a chance with baseball to to make it 13. Gerald, do you know the most Big 12 championships that UT has ever won in a single season? In a single season? like Meaning like the academic year or like – I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure I understand this. In a in a yes, in an academic year. The most in an academic okay. year. Um ten. This is not in fact the record. They have had twelve three other times. This is the fourth time getting twelve. They're the only school in the Big Twelve to do it. Nebraska, I think, got eleven once. Um, but only to get twelve. And but one other time they actually had more in two thousand five, two thousand six, which I don't I, I jokingly 
I've jokingly said <laughs> that because UT was so good at sports, they basically, you know, that's how they recruited me uh, to attend. Um, it was it was an epic year. They 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 put up thirteen, uh, obviously some national titles as well, um, but thirteen. Like, there's not an infinite amount of sports or potential titles to have won, but uh, nonetheless. 12 with a chance for 13 still this year. Again, we'll talk about what has to happen to make that happen in baseball. But this could be the greatest year, uh, Big 12-wise, in the history of UT. So really, really impressed all over campus. For context, the University of Texas competes in 15 sports. So 13 (laughs) of the 15 teams claimed a title that year. But let's do a rundown. Because track had a pretty magical season. This is the fifth time in conference history that a team has swept the indoor and outdoor. And four of those happen to be the good guys in burnt orange. So, um, yeah, pretty solid outing. The women set a record with 207 points and a massive margin of victory of 93 points. Looking at everybody in their rear view mirror. The men, a paltry 173 total score and 29 points uh, margin of victory, which, you know, pretty solid outings from both teams um, and some really incredible individual performances, especially on the ladies side, Kyle. Yeah, Kennedy Flano was the high high performer, winning basically all the fast people, and and that's not not to say anything about uh, runners in four hundred. I've had the argument that that's the most pure because you're sprinting a full lap, but she won the one hundred, the two hundred, and the four by one. Which again, like if you're not familiar, that's like the quarterback. Uh, you know that that you're running the sprints. That's that's who gets to be the cockiest on the team, and and she has every right to maybe be the cockiest in the country, winning all three of those. Uh, no. You, can't do the four by one alone. Uh, Chanel Brissett, Kavana Davis, and uh, Rashidat Adeleke uh, also get some props there. But the other side, the, we have spent a lot of time talking about this person, and and I I honestly, in my assessment, think that we have not spent enough. Tara Davis, we knew she was a good long jumper. If you look now after this weekend at the five longest jumps in the history of NCAA outdoor track, and that's a caveat that she also owns the longest jump in indoor track ever as well in outdoor track number one we talked about earlier this year was tara davis number two jackie joiner kersey pretty good athlete number three this weekend her first jump this weekend of the the big 12 champ just get it out of the way tara davis number four and five tara davis that this isn't ut record books this is ever in the history of college athletics outdoor track like hundreds a hundred years like that it I don't think we're giving enough credit to just how incredible that is. No, and oh, by the way, um, she also won the hundred meter hurdles, uh, and and now <laughs> she's trying to co- convince Coach Flo to let her run the four by one at nationals. Um, you know, she. Uh, I, I'm running out of superlatives to say that unbelievable um, future Olympian. You know, all time Longhorn. Just the, her story is amazing. Uh, just incredible. So so proud of her. And remember, it's Tara, not. Tara, Tara, That's get right. it right or pay the price. Other champions on the lady side, uh, Christine Bladovica won the heptathlon. Catherine Gillespie, Gillespie won the 1500 meters, which is not a real distance. That's ridiculous. Stacey Ann Williams, <laughs> the 400. Elena Bruckner won the discus. Brooke Jaworski won the 400 meter hurdles, which is also a ridiculous thing to do. And the four by four relay team uh, that we mentioned all ready so on the men's side the distance runners were the star and on the receiving end of a little bit of controversy uh yusuf (laughs) bismania um was the winner in both the 800 and the 1500 which one person running 2300 meters in one meet seems excessive but again i don't like running but the big story is that um i don't know if you're allowed to bump draft in in NCAA <laughs> distance running, but a an athlete from a school that we will leave unnamed tried to bump him at, as the finish line came in. And being the man, have you met anybody named Yusuf that wasn't just a hoss? Because Yusuf just shrugged it off, kept running, and claimed the W. <laughs> it was an impressive, like it went viral. It was a very very uh, impressive moment. I love going track viral. Like that's to 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 go not just track viral, but track to go viral period something good has got to happen and this set the the twitters ablaze i am not afraid to name that school as iowa state the dang cheaters but they came in 
our main competition in this uh, UT was number six nationally. Iowa State was number seven nationally. So they were really literally shoulder to shoulder fighting for it. And this dirty, rotten cheater tried to bump Yusuf. And the, the best part is, is the gif that went viral didn't show it. But Yusuf just shrugged him off and then beat him anyways. Um, so it, it just, just amazing that um, another conversation could be had for you know, full contact track would be a really interesting sport, different sport, really interesting. I feel like Tyler Owens would be set up for that one specifically, Great. but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just, just incredible there. And then again, if, if the women won every single sprinting, uh, event, the men kind of did everything else. They swept everything else. And I love that Yusuf with the distance there, uh, our boy, the Nuge, uh, Leo Nugebauer getting the decathlon, um, you know, and then of course we had some jumpers like we do and a couple, uh, runners getting in there. But the one that I'm most excited about Gerald trip Piperi, a guy who we Great name. love. He won his, I mean, this is impressive in itself. Seventh big 12 title and seven tries. That's good. It's even more impressive. If you don't follow him on Instagram, A, what are you doing? Or Twitter, you know, B, why aren't you? Well, your only excuse. If you don't have social media, you should download it, follow Trip and the podcast, and that's it. Um, but he's been basically recovering since the indoor national champions. And he actually, uh, his coach posted that this was his first competitive throw since indoors, 65 days. He is 53 days post-surgery. Not a lot. He only started walking 19 days ago. <laughs> And his first full throw, trying it out, was five days ago. And what did he do? He stepped in and won the dang Big 12 championship. So, Trip, uh, we put him on our Mount Rushmore for track athletes and I think uh, for men's track, and I think it correctly so. Uh, a, a dang hoss and a dang legend, and, and congrats to Trip. This is the equivalent of winning the dunk contest without taking off your joggers. That's what this is <laughs> right here. Um, but on the rest of the field, Stefan McCarter won the long jump. Uh, Micaiah Harris won the 200. And then Texas took the 4x4 four four with Matt Norch, D. William Wright, John Mass, and Jonathan Jones all together. Barbados stand up. Come on, Bayesian baby. My brethren, if you don't know. My dad is an immigrant from Barbados, and the Bayesians were awesome. So uh, combined, they won 18 events, 48 competitors scored. Next up for Texas is the NCAA West preliminary rounds, May 26th through 29th, in a little town uh, that likes Maroon College Station. Texas will get I, I want Texas to go in and take that one in College Station. It just feels so good. Uh, but Texas has an opportunity to, again, put itself in a good position uh, to strike at some national championships. In June, we'll be watching. I think top 12s qualify. Texas should have, I don't know, let's say 20 of those. Uh, no, we'll see. Uh, Coach Flo has some probably restructuring, reorganizing to do, see how he's going to come out. Uh, earns his money here, uh, but there, there's a lot of good athletes ready uh, to make the to make the NCAA championships, and we'll see. First step is taking College Station. Now, we can't neglect the rowing team, Kyle. We've got to talk about the ladies in boats but they swept all four races and they landed uh six actually on the all big 12 team for their efforts um alexandra watson and uh, aspa i'm uh, krista doodalus is what we're going you with you did it yeah it's the duda that gets you in there you krista have to yeah you did it yeah uh we're back to back repeat winners from 2019 first time winners for daisy mazio manson Caitlin Knifton, uh, Francesca Raggy, and the Coxon Rachel Rain. There's some great names on this team, and I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that Caitlin Knifton and Rachel Rain, uh, as well as the other wonderful names that you talked about, are just rowing past everyone in the country. Don't sleep on them. Uh, also, Dave, Dave O'Neill, sixth consecutive Big 12 title. Uh, you, Crystal Conte actually can't claim him, but just one of the best hires, you know, from the pre Del Conte era and, and doesn't look to be changing anytime soon. The boats will be back in the water in a couple of weeks, May 28th through 30th in Sarasota, Florida for the NCAA championships. We'll obviously bring you updates as that happens. So we do have to talk baseball, but mainly because no baseball really and officially <laughs> happened in the last week. Uh, Texas was rained out in the bottom of the fourth against Texas Southern. They were up when that game was called, but it's fine. It is what it is. So Texas gets a bye week because, well, the game against Rice was also canceled. So 
Texas now sets up for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup against West Virginia with the Big 12 championship hanging in the balance. There's still one game behind of TCU in the Big 12 championship ring. TCU is taking on Kansas State. Texas and TCU, the two top teams in the conference, get to take on two of the bottom teams in the conference to close out the regular season. But we have to talk about the curse of the horns down, Kyle. Since the Saturday horns down in a 2-1 victory at Drunken TCU fan, pick one of them, threw the horns down. Since then, they had a 9-3 loss to Texas on Sunday, a rainout against Rio Grande Valley, dropped 2-3 of three against ULM, and then another rainout against Texas State. Horns go up, guys. Horns go up. <laughs> uh, I love that. And, and, and Gerald, if this next weekend plays out, uh, the Horns could go all the way. We talked about potentially being their 13th uh, Big 12 championship. It is still in play, though. TCU lead, uh, leads by one. If, they, if TCU takes care of business uh, and wins all three, acknowledges that Horns belong up and somehow breaks this curse, uh, they are the Big 12 outright champions. If they lose one, Texas will need to sweep. But if Texas does so, they win the conference. If Texas loses one, TCU would need to lose two out of three to K-State. And let's just say... The best chance for this happening is Texas sweeping and uh, Kansas State coming out and taking the first one. Remember when we played Kansas State, their their Friday night opener is a potential first round draft pick uh, and and is a really 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 good pitcher. Um, if you remember, that's why uh, Antico tried to score <laughs> from third when he had no business because you take all the runs you can get on them. Um, so it's going to be a good one to watch that opening TCU versus K State uh, with, with their with their ace on the mound, and, and we'll be hoping if that happens that. UT can take care of business. But Gerald, I have to ask, is the MVP of the Big 12, or maybe even the MIP, the most important player in the Big 12 this year, the local weatherman? I don't know that I've ever had, like, you think about the season opening and what went on in Houston and, like, the major uh, freeze and they couldn't practice and then lost all their opening games against good teams and how much that's affected the entire season. Three out of their last four have been either, like, delayed postponed or flat out canceled um it just feels like this has been a crazy weather season uh as much as any uh i can remember for ut it's just so weird like the the weirdness from last year is carried over right this has just mm. been the weirdest like 2020 2021 it's just been the weirdest ac- athletic year but texas managed to thrive in some situations and uh you know what maybe uh they'll just continue to, to thrive toward the end of the season in the big 12 tournament and we will look at the Big 12 regular season. We will look at the Big 12 tournament. But let's also take a look at the bigger picture here. So the the, the Texas Southern and Rice games, and more so probably Texas Southern, uh, getting rained out actually helps Texas, who jumped about 20 spots uh, up to, I think, number three in the RPI. Um, and Rice probably wouldn't have done anything to move the needle. Um, but Texas Southern probably would have hurt their strength of schedule and ultimately their, their um, RPI. So kind of a blessing in disguise because, remember, top eight seeds you get to host – all the way through, um, and Texas was named as one of the 20 uh, finalists. They'll pick 16 out of those host sites, so good chance Texas could be somewhere. I think D1 Baseball had them projected uh, around number three with a really favorable matchup. It's a couple weeks out before selection Saturday, Sunday, whatever day those come out, but uh, it will be the beginning of June. So, um, so yeah, so we, there's a little more baseball to be played, but always thinking of the bigger picture, Texas, uh, just keep winning. And stay in a good spot, and uh, in in Omaha, the, the, we play baseball for the big picture. Big Twelve is great, but this is a legitimate team that could uh, have some national championship implications. Fellas, just finish your plate, and everything will work <laughs> itself out. So softball, so that's a part of the show where we whip around all the other crazy stuff that happened on campus, and we down the forty, starting on the softball diamond. Uh, Texas had a little bit of early. Uh, they they won one, lost one in the early round of the round robin, and so off of the strength of that, the NCAA bracket was released, and five Big Twelve schools, like seventy percent of the softball playing Big Twelve schools, made it to the NCAA tournament. The top three of them, OU, OSU, and Texas, all are hosting a regional. Uh, the Houston Austin regional is features Oregon, which is a really good squad, Texas State, and St. Francis. But the tough part is that all of those schools are on the same side of the bracket. Thanks for that. 
Yeah, Texas, obviously, you know, Texas and OU is, is, is a rivalry, but Texas-Oklahoma State this year has been a heated uh, a heated rivalry both uh, on the field and, and uh, on Twitter with grown men attacking UT women softball, uh, young women um, on the internet. But uh, so Oklahoma State has become kind of a heated rival. It was a very close loss in the Big 12 tournament, three to two, um, in, in all you know season. It's it's left a bad taste in Coach Mike White and the whole squad's mouth. So just just mouthwatering proposition that Texas State, who is really good this year, by the way, Texas has won two games by one run against Texas State, uh, is in this and and could give Oregon everything they want, and then. Oregon. Let's not overlook the fact that Oregon was, I think, 15th in RPI. They probably should have been a host. They could have a chip on their shoulder, but clearly the selection lords wanted this matchup of Mike White's uh, old flame versus his uh, current squeeze uh, UT hosting Oregon is going to be juicy, but this whole thing is tough. But if they get out, oh, but what waits them is, is one of the hottest teams in the country, of course, in Oklahoma State, which would be in Stillwater if both hosts won out. So um, interesting schedule. If Texas can get through that, man, uh, what can't they do, right? Everything's downhill except OU, who's incredibly scary. But, uh, you know, everything's downhill once you get through that. A lot of the talk about the Big 12 is that basically in every sport it prepares you to compete nationally because it's kind of a ball of knives. We talk about a lot in every stinking sport. So competing in the Big 12 sets you up pretty solid for – the national stage on to the big 12 award Janae Jefferson friend of the show unanimous first team big 12 uh, led the team in uh, batting average hits in on base percentage 37 of 41 games she reached base safely including 20 multi-hit efforts uh, Mary Iacopo was another first teamer uh, tied for the team lead with 15 home runs and led the team at, in slugging with 788 good night and uh just a 1246 OPS with a career-long 15-game hitting streak. Shannon Rhodes came in for the second team. She was tied with Iacopo for home runs at num- and fourth in the NCAA with 54 RSBI. And then Shaylin O'Leary <laughs> uh, was a second-team Big 12-er, 12-3 uh, with a 177 ERA in 94 strikeouts in 115 innings, including 10 complete games and five shutouts. Nuts. Really, really good uh, stuff from those. three. Uh, third time for Janae Jefferson. Again, she's been eligible three times. She's made three times. She's coming back next year, maybe four, for four. Ked Osterman tweeted, uh, tweeted at her, said she's the best position player, which tactful word choice, Kat, uh, in UT's history and needs to soon join the four-time All-Big 12 uh, club. So she's coming back next year, I'm hoping, and, and we'll do that. Uh, also had three freshmen you, um, make the um, – Big 12 team, I think two were unanimous, uh, and Jordan Whitaker, uh, J.J. Smith and Alyssa Washington were unanimous, and Jordan Whitaker also made that team, which brought the total of seven awards, which is tied for the highest in UT's season with seven players making a Big 12 team. So this is a good team. This is a good team that's deep, that has talent all over, and hey, if they're motivated and they're hot, and Coach White is the coach that we think and know he is, we just mentioned, uh, a lot of players who contribute to a tournament run. Speaking of a tournament run, Number two, women's tennis advanced to the Elite Eight on a 4-1 win over number 16, Ohio State. Ohio State uh, looked like a really solid competitor. They um, absolutely dominated those folks down from College Station. But the young guns from Texas decided to pull this out with a massive win over the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, this team is, is the youngest in the tournament, uh, at least left in the Elite Eight. may have been the 16, um, but, you know, it was all the, the freshmen doing it, but super senior, Anna Tarati, our girl, uh, was the one to clinch this one for the Horns to send them to the Elite Eight. They make their first uh, quarterfinal since 2005. They'll take on Florida State, a really good Florida State team, number seven, uh, on Wednesday when you're hearing this podcast. Uh, so a, a really, really good one. I think that'll be uh, one of one of the, the toughest matchups until they get North Carolina, which, again, it's, it's like a Gonzaga-Baylor in men's basketball. Everyone knew who number one and number two was all year. Now it's just a matter of them uh, not messing up in the tournament and making it, uh, making it to the championship. Successful season all in all, but still keep it going. Defending champion Texas men, number two, in the country advanced to an elite eight win 
after a come-from-behind win against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Man, absolute uh, dramatic. Won four straight to take that thing. Uh, Micah Braswell, Cleve Harper, Elliot Spaziri, and um, Irvin McDonald all took points for Texas to make that thing happen. Big stuff from the men. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. In addition to the trailing overall going down 3-0, Spaziri came back from being down 3-0 in his third set, and McDonald trailed 3-1 in his second, uh, having lost the first. So basically they came back and also came back in their individual matches. And just, I mean, the win probability of that actually happening when you're sitting there down 3-0 and you're looking um, at at two of your four points that are must-haves being down like that, I mean, it, it you. I don't know that there's an ESPN win probability, but uh, that that must have been really unbelievably low. But nonetheless, they got it crazy fashion. Uh, again, this is also a really young team. You mentioned all the people who won freshman Micah Braswell, and the rest are sophomores: Cleve Harper, Elliot Spaziri, and uh, Irvin McDonald. That's all that number two in the nation recruiting class uh, from Bruce Burke after they won the national championship. So this is uh, this is the fruits of that labor and uh, young players getting hot, uh, fighting like that, keeping their national championship because there was not one last year. Uh, you love to see it. They will continue on the Elite Eight quarterfinals. It's the fourth time in seven years they've made it. They have a rematch with number 12 USC. If you remember all the way back to around Valentine's Day, this was another 4-3 comeback win by the Longhorns over then number one ranked USC in the ITA National Indoor Championship. They came up just shy in the indoor nationals and uh they did beat usc in that midst so usc might have a chip on their shoulder this is a rivalry in 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 most sports usc is an elite elite tennis program so um be a good one tune in for that uh this week continuing to vex the game cox number 15 women's golf advanced to the 2021 ncaa championship off of the shoulders of a second place finish with two top 10 finishers in louisville they actually beat Number one overall, South Carolina, by four strokes in their performance over the weekend. Yeah, this was this was a uh, a really gutsy, really good uh, performance to advance to the championship. Caitlin Papp was fourth overall. Uh, Agnelasny at seventh. They uh, fifth consecutive, 29th overall, I believe, uh, appearance in the NCAA championship, which will begin Friday at Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, so uh, this is this was a busy weekend. There's going to be another busy one next week. Continuing the busy weekend, on the men's side, men's golf is not advanced yet, but they do lead after the two opening rounds of the Noblesville Regional, the NCAA Tournament. Uh, They're currently 15 under, which is good enough for seven strokes ahead of the rest of the field. Uh, Helmed by the Cole Hammer at third, who is uh, five under. Travis Vick and Pearson Cootie both tied for fourth at four under. Yeah, it, it, and, and this is just the team coming into their own at the right time. They're number six, but they're playing like a top two or three team uh, in the country right now. I mean, Cole Hammer basically uh, the past few months has been the hottest golfer in the country. Um, you know, Pearson Cootie added to that. We'll talk a little bit about their Walker Cup. I think we'll put that in the burn orange lenses. But uh, um, they they have been locked in and and rewards for his uh, struggle. I think they're both top six amateurs right now, but Pearson Cootie, who is the currently world number one ranked amateur, was also named a finalist for the Ben Hogan Award given to the top collegiate slash amateur golfer. It takes both their college performance as well as their uh, non-NCAA amateur performance. He is the fourth person in school history to be named a finalist for that award. Just joining some, you know, UT uh, PGA uh, champs and greats in that uh, company, so good, good news for the young Cole Hammer and Pearson Cootie, and uh, just finish out the 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 regional, and then go ahead and and keep the momentum at the nationals, and and get another championship. Bring home another championship, and then quickly got a couple of Texas football schedule updates. The Mouse Corporation, Disney and ESPN, (laughs) is snatching up some prime real estate on the Texas schedule. The September 11th matchup against Arkansas has been confirmed as an ESPN game. The night game, 6 p.m. Central, not the night game, but a night game uh, in Fayetteville. And then I feel like breaking a recent tradition, right? I feel like it's been a Fox like every year for the last what feels like a million years. But the OU (laughs) game is going to be broadcast by ESPN, which hopefully means... 
that um, the tide's going to turn for Texas. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I I like that uh, it's coming back to ESPN. I think I remember being good uh, when we played these games on ESPN a couple years back. Uh, I will miss Gus, but uh, yeah, I think uh, having OU almost locks in, especially it being on ESPN, that this will be an 11 a.m. I don't think that's ever really going to change. We can argue about that if we want, but playing Arkansas uh, at the night game, September 11th, it's going to be the prime time under the lights, big game of the week. I hope that UT players are as tired of the, 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 the incessant chirping of Arkansas fans uh, as, as UT fans are. It, it's happened in the past that this is a one-sided rivalry that only one team realizes is a rivalry. I'm hoping that Sarkeesian is is, is being brought up to speed on, on why uh, he needs to go in there and just, you know, he needs to punch Arkansas in the mouth quickly and, 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 and you know, remind them that, okay, you want this to be a rival, we will treat it like the rivalry, which for most of uh, the better part of multiple decades, we just kicked your tail all around the field. So um, I, these these are both obviously two of the biggest games of the season next year, and, uh, and, and I'm excited for the Arkansas game, specifically under the lights. Just blow the doors off. Just do it. Went, beat Louisiana on talent and depth, and then, like, open up the playbook completely for Arkansas. And... The way that these games are lining out and the way the schedule is lining out, if Texas does what it should um, in the opening weeks, this this OU game could be a game day game. It could be a you know top 10 matchup. Uh, they could be in position uh, for a pretty solid number next to their name heading in to um, what's probably the best rivalry game in, in all of college athletics. Is that fair to, fair to say? That is fair to say. All right, Jared, let's take it now to... The burn orange lens. Let's take a look at the world through our orange-tinted glasses. Let's start with uh, players leaving to start the next phase of their career. Greg Brown officially is declared for the NBA draft. I think a lot of us speculated on this over the past few months. There was arguments to be made about why a player of his caliber with the talent level that he possesses could have a sophomore year that really put him into the lottery pick status and what maybe he didn't do in his freshman year. But again, I think talent won out in this one. Um, and, and I will be curious who uh, takes him and how high, because again, the, the ceiling on this one is, 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 is very, very high. Uh, the floor may be a little bit lower than some of, of the lottery uh, picks or even top 10 or 15 guys based on what we saw this first year, but uh, we will be wishing him luck. But I thought it was uh, interesting that right after that was announced, Jeff Goodman put out his preseason top 25 and had Texas at number 11 factoring in the Greg Brown decision. So if he would have come back, I wonder how I would have had us, but number, number 11, pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, number 11, again, without Greg, without Greg Brown and potentially theoretically, and probably without Jericho Sims as well. Um, that's that the, the talent beard has brought in to reload. This roster has been really, really impressive. Agree completely. Um, no news if, if if Sims has hired an agent or not. So there is, you know, there's always a chance. I believe uh, on the other side, Beard's former point guard, Mac McClung, officially uh, said no chance he comes back to Texas Tech. No matter where he gets drafted or doesn't get drafted, he's now an NBA player. So uh, this is an interesting offseason for all teams. Uh, UT will continue to dominate headlines, though, as the main portal pirates. Now, um, this may have been where I was earlier, Gerald, when I when I said you were the wind um, beneath my wings, I, I was I was thinking of our, our our golden boy Jordan Spieth, who's getting hot with the club in his hands. Uh, he he just walked off on the wings of Eagles um, in both the second and third round of the Byron Nelson. He finished 18 with an eagle. One time he chipped in, and the other he had a 55 foot eagle putt, which is so stupid. Walk off eagles is not a thing that I knew existed, that I knew needed to exist, or I knew could even happen more than once in the same tournament. Like that is just so unreal. Good for uh, Spieth. He had a, an up and down tournament. He left so many point shots on the board. Uh, he could have very easily won this thing, um, but you know uh, he's just playing really, really well right now um and and you love to see it it feels like he's back and he will be in contention every week and he finished ultimately i think at 18 under for the tournament tied for ninth with our boy jonathan vegas uh scotty schleffer 47th uh doug gim bo hostler and kramer hickok all were cut but the interesting part here cole hammer and pearson cootie played as amateurs uh they were invited the only i think there was three amateurs but the only two uh still competing in college um 
and uh, played well. A five under for, for Hammer, even for Pearson Cootie. And again, that's fresh off the Walker Cup where Hammer uh, led the team and, and, and was kind of the emotional leader and also scored the clinching point to win the Walker Cup. But in that, Cootie had a, uh, a pretty nice pretty nice eagle putt of his own. So uh, UT, UT guys like playing the Byron, uh, and, and they played it well. All right, and speaking of playing well in the Dallas area, uh, our girl, Gerald, Charlie Collier, just started her WNBA career like she did all year in Austin for uh, those Dallas Wings, um, putting up a double-double. Uh, uh, Gerald, I mean, can anything stop Charlie Collier? The only thing that can stop, stop Charlie Collier is Charlie Collier. That's it. Nobody can. No person can check her. I mean, I'm sure somebody can. The WMA is actually really good. But it's glad to see she's picking up where she left off in Austin. Yeah, fifteenth player to open their career in the WNBA with a points rebounds double double, and just you know for for data point, the most recent to do it was twenty eighteen Asia Wilson, who is the reigning twenty twenty WNBA MVP, and also shouts uh, kudos to her. She tweeted out that she finished her last final and graduated in three years, five days before her first game. So a pretty big week. Uh, graduated UT and then threw up a double double in your first career game. So Charlie, we are rooting incredibly hard for you. Unlike Kevin Durant, who came back and slept on somebody's couch to take another semester at Texas, she just finished it up before she left. There you go. David Ash uh, made his debut in the Polish Football League. Gerald, I'm sure you were all over this one. The Warsaw Mets, uh, coached by UT alum Jay Kale, which I had to Google three times to confirm. Um, David Ash, he, he's he's playing football. I mean, is this not the feel-good story of the year? Uh, I mean, it, it absolutely is, especially like when you we follow like David Ash medically retired because it was they thought it was concussions. Turns out it was like chronic migraines that were uh, being kind of confused with concussions, I guess, or concussion-like symptoms, right? Because migraines are a thing. Uh, but it's like good to see him back. David Ash is a really underappreciated player. Um, he was really good that 2012 season, and then the the concussion issues or what we thought were concussions. Like, if David Ash continues the the progression he had from freshman to sophomore and soft, like if he continues that into his junior season, he probably could have been something special and uh, bridge some of the gap that we've been dealing with at quarterback. Uh, that hopefully Sam Ellinger and now the next man up uh, have put a Band-Aid on. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I think you're exactly right. He is the 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 forgotten piece in that that linkage. I mean, they, there was swoops didn't work out probably like some hoped or in, in Gerard Hurd's just pinnacle where it seemed like nothing could stop him. Uh, out of all of the quarterbacks who, who could have bridged that gap, it seems like David Ash was the, the highest chance to keep that caliber of play. Uh, knowing that he has that talent, I hope he is going to be a candidate for the Golden Kielbasa, which I assume is the MVP award in the Polish Football League. Don't know that for sure, but uh, last bit here, softball grad transfer, transfer Tuesday Margosian, who's always been one of my favoritely named players on the 40 Acres. She this year uh, went to North Texas to finish out her career one year, just uh, went ahead and won Newcomer of the Year and led them to their first ever Conference USA Softball Championship. Now, I'm not going to speculate, but that goodwill hopefully goes uh, hopefully goes both ways. And when when North Texas's uh, star pitcher, Hope Trotwine, entered the grad transfer portal herself, yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe she could be replacing Molly Jacobson. Uh, I like to get into the transfer portal news for all the sports. This uh, Get deep in there, get in the deep internets, and uh, we'll see what happens there. But, Gerald, I'm going to put a period on this section. Move us into the Godzilla Tron. What are you watching on your giant screen? Uh, so I'm watching him play in a little bit. Uh, anybody that knows me or has listened to my other podcast, uh, Two Woke Nerds, you talked about uh, the Mass Effect games are probably like that trilogy is is one of my gr favorite series of games of all time. And so they did a remaster and a re-release of the three Mass Effect games, and they updated the first one significantly. So I played a ton of that in my free time. And then also, based on a conversation that happened in like Texas Twitter the other night, we were talking about uh, best martial arts movies. And so I brought up The Raid, at which I will do at basically any opportunity I can. Because <laughs> The Raid, I, will, I have argued, is probably one of the best action movies of the last 15 years. And so I rewatched that, and yep, still holds up. If you haven't watched it, 
Um, it is absolutely brutal, like brutal, brutal, brutal. But the martial arts is impeccable. It was made on a really tight budget, like a million bucks. Uh, made nine million in theaters, and then kind of became a cult classic and, and spawned a, a sequel that's uh, not as good as a movie. But the action sequences again continue to be awesome because the stars of the movie are also the ones that choreograph all the martial arts scenes and then do them themselves because they are grandmasters at what is basically Indonesia's own form of martial arts called Panaxalat. And it is absolutely incredible. You should watch it and enjoy. Ooh, I wish we released the video uh, of this podcast so you could see my face as Gerald correctly pronounced. I assume correctly pronounced. Probably not. Um, pan- um, whatever that uh, that martial art form was, uh, it made me very excited to hear him just go for it. You know, we, we try with uh, with certain words on this podcast that we don't know for sure but uh that was great i'm gonna assume you got it now gerald is there anything in your life that you just know you will like like i'm gonna love that whether it's an album you need to listen to a movie you need to watch a tv show you need to get into or a game you need to play like you know 100 that every person whose opinion you trust um says you're gonna like it you've like dabbled enough that you know you're gonna like it you're around the fringe you know you're gonna like it but you just haven't invested the time Anything with Regina King in it is is something that I will assume is going to be great. Or Regina King involved. Fair enough. You and everyone I know and trust has told me that I will enjoy Mass Effect, and I've I've played a decent amount of the the first uh, one that was released on the Xbox games for free, and I, I think I I've put a ton of hours in it and got sidetracked on the side missions and never actually finished the first one. Um, so therefore I haven't played the, the wonderful second or, or even a third. Um, is that right? Is the second great and the third pretty good? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, one day I will do it and I will report back. But what I did play is MLB the show, which also came to Xbox for free. I've never played it. I've always heard it's great and how good it is. Um, talk to, to our friend Raymond who plays it every year. And, um, he said this year is there's some bu- some frustrating things, some bugs, some 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 tweaks, some things that have changed in the system that make it not as fun always as the others. But I'm loving it because I've never played it before. Um, Kyle Carpenter, a a, a two way pitcher and originally catcher now left fielder, um, who who plays uh, the field in his off games, um, is working his way up. He's in he's in Triple A's right now um, for the Sugarland Skeeters in the Astros organization. Um, he wears eye black sunglasses and has a flowing mullet while he pitches and it's beautiful as well as obviously high socks because come on i'm i'm american um the the uh the uh mlb the show kyle carpenter uh coming to you on a twitch no it's not but uh i'm enjoying it i i always uh enjoy making myself a, a a hero at the professional level um and then I watched uh, One Night in Miami, which is really interesting. I didn't, I'd heard that it was good um, or, or pretty good, and, and I didn't do any research. We, my wife and I just put it on and watched it, and I was kind of glad I did because um, I could be a little bit surprised. I knew some of the what, what was, but, but effectively, um, it's the story of uh, the night Muhammad Ali, or, well, at the time Cassius Clay, um, becomes the heavyweight champion of the world for the very first time, and he's celebrating with Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, who has always been one of my singular favorite uh, artists of, of all time. Um, and uh, I had to explain, and I felt bad to my wife who the fourth person was, but Jim Brown, legendary, probably quite possibly the best football player of all time, um, running back, uh, and and then uh, successful actor and activist. But anyways, about their meeting uh, that night, and it's the night that, uh, you know, kind of he becomes world champion, is going to announce that he is now Muhammad Ali converting uh, to the nation of Islam um, and just the interesting dynamic. And, 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 and I watched it and I thought, huh, that seemed like a play. And then I realized it was based on a, a play because a lot of the action happens in a single room with four people talking as opposed to movies, you know, like Gerald mentioned, The Raid, which has tons of action, right? This felt like it lacked some of the action and dynamic dynamicism. You know what I mean? Um, but it was, it was great writing. It was an, incredibly interesting topic i immediately googled like which parts of it were true um and and one of my other singular favorite artists of all time is bob dylan and i didn't actually know that sam cook's a change is going to come was inspired um by him hearing um bob dylan's um hard rain's gonna fall and so um thought that was really really interesting um just just an interesting kind of period piece not a like you have to see it drop everything you're doing, but an interesting thing, a really interesting look at four people who approached leading, being outspoken, 
driving change and probably the most chaotic time in our nation's history, but specifically looking at it uh, for change necessary and, and, and needed for um, black culture in America and, and just really, really kind of interesting time and place piece. Um, I'd suggest everyone, if you have time, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. So if you're getting all those packages delivered during quarantine, go ahead and, and tune in and get the uh, the free film, which is, is, is worth your time. It's very interesting, very good. Um, I think it could be a conversation starter because Anytime you throw Malcolm X in there and look at him and interesting and, and kind of Sam Cooke who who took an entirely different view of, of the world and, and especially pre I'm going to make songs that are real. I'm just going to use my beautiful voice and, and kind of placate and then Muhammad Ali and his roots of his outspokenness and then Jim Brown who again just one of the most fascinating stories in sports. It's an interesting interesting subject matter nonetheless. Now, Kyle, I was trying to set you up with a segue because Regina King directed that. So, trying to set you up with a segue there, and you you whiffed it. You put it in the show notes. I meant to say that. I, I meant it to up say. to you, and you missed it. A couple of my favorite notes about um, one night in Miami. Aldous Hodge playing a football player for not first, second, but third time who played. I played Brian Banks in a movie about a, a high school athlete who was falsely accused of sexual assault and was cleared and a big deal there. And then he also played Ray Voodoo Tatum. In Friday Night Lights, so I uh, love Aldous Hodge. And then again, anytime you have an opportunity to get Leslie Odom in something, like just take the opportunity. He was actually cast mm-hmm. in the uh, Knives Out sequel, uh, like literally the day that we're recording this. So check that out. That's my other side. But now it's part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Not Deion Sanders. Not Bo Jackson. But Sarah Lancaster. Now, I'm sure all of our listeners at home put all three of those in the same bucket. Um, you know, you could put the Olympic feet of at the time Bruce Jenner. You could put these people who do things that don't seem humanly possible with, with the body in an athletic context. The ability to do so many things um, at a stellar level. I, I remember hearing about Dave Winfield choosing to play baseball and basically foregoing, you know, uh, NBA drafts. I think he was drafted in like four different leagues, um, but, you know, could have played basketball, football, you know, just, just people who are that good at that many sports are interesting to me. Sarah Lancaster is a name that we may not all be as familiar with, but that is, that is only on us and only on our bias. And we can have another conversation about um, why we, we, we don't put women in the same pantheon as, as elite athletes that we talk about and have barbershop conversations about. But nonetheless, Sarah Lancaster came to the university of Texas as a star standout tennis player. Um, just, I think was like the number one rated prep tennis player out of Alamo Heights uh, in the country at the time. She just missed us, Gerald. I believe she got, to UT sometime in the, the very late uh, aughts, early 2010s, but uh, played basketball, or excuse me, played uh, tennis, and and when they would get rained out, would do trick shots with basketball, where she was a, a phenomenal high school basketball player. That video was sent from her coach of her doing a trick shot to Gail Gossencores, who said, um, we have like all freshmen on this 2010-2011 team. Can you come be the super senior and just like play for us, but also be the like, you know, uh, be the heart and soul and, and coach on the court of this team. And so she said, yeah, I'll do that. So she went ahead and, you know, also played basketball. No, you know, again, no, no big deal. This is the, the, uh, like ITA ranked tennis player, uh, who, who was just crushing it there. Went ahead and played a second sport. Well, what has she done since she left the 40 acres? You might be asking, and, and maybe you shouldn't have, but maybe you should be because at 33 years, young, young, I will say, uh, Sarah Lancaster went ahead and decided I've been running in my spare time. Why don't I try out at the 5,000 meter level? Why don't I run in an Olympic qualifying race for the 5,000 meter? Well, this week, folks, in the Mississippi uh, mile, I can't remember the name of the race, but nonetheless, uh, she ran 5,000 meters as fast as anyone at that race. In fact, came just barely in second, which was good enough to qualify her for the upcoming Olympic time trials. Let's all stop and think about how good we were at our third best sport and question if we were Olympic adjacent good in that sport. And when we realize we weren't, let's all take a second to appreciate the heck out of Longhorn legend, truly one of the greatest athletes in the history of UT, Sarah Lancaster. My third best sport, I was probably junior high good at best like junior high good as an as an 18 year old i was like junior high good 
at my yeah. third best sport. Uh, so it's absolutely incredible. So I'm banging the drum this week on um, a guy who we've adopted as one of our own, Kyle. Um, Baltimore Ravens, who we've often called the you know the uh, Northern Longhorns because of the high concentration of Longhorns on that team. Um, but quarterback Marlon Humphrey who is a you know pro bowler and all pro who's an all american in Alabama all sorts of stuff um, but the reason we love him are for his recent comments uh, via Twitter so um, Marlon Humphrey went through college station and <laughs> tweeted this about his experience Texas A&M athletic athletic facilities and campus is the best i've ever seen ellipsis if I could do it again and repick colleges, I'd still wouldn't consider them. But wow, <laughs> I love it. Ike, is that the most backhanded compliment in sports history? Like, now I get like where he's coming from. He was a top like he was a high school all American, a two time high school all American from Hoover, Alabama. Like the reason why he wouldn't consider them is because he would have gone to Alabama. Like he, but like the the scorched earth. That that like it, it just like it it hurts me like being close to them, but I'm not close to them at all. So I love it. Like it's just it's just beautiful, Kyle. It's it's just it's just so beautiful. It is a strong, strong contender for my favorite ellipses of 2021. <laughs> um, the second half of that tweet is just so brutal. I it, it just I will just put it into the little perspective. Texas A&M can 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 spend all of their money they want updating facilities they can uh they could pay recruit i'm not saying i have any knowledge of that of course but they could choose to pay recruits any uh amount of 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 money you know they could be in quote unquote the best conference in football they could um i'm trying to think of the ncaa 14 other recruiting uh stats they could improve their academics which are actually going the other way uh, but they could do all of the things that any recruit could possibly want they could max them out but they will never stop being aggies they will never stop being a team that hasn't won in any of our even grandfather's lifetime they will never stop being at best the second best team in the state of texas being the little brother they will never stop being aggies and it almost makes it worse to have people say oh my god what they are doing here really is amazing and I still would never consider this joke of a program because there is nothing. You cannot put enough lipstick on that pig. There is not enough lipstick in the world to shine that pig. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Choose an email. LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Have a nine-team college football play-in.